All right. How we all doing? Welcome to an instant reaction edition of the Evan Roberts podcast, a pay-per-view that admit you forgot even existed. You forgot that on this Sunday night there actually even was a WWE pay-per-view. It was TLC. And the reason why you forgot there was a pay-per-view is because Raw over the last month has been trash. I mean, it's been really, really, really bad. And because of that, in a way that's unfair, it hurt this pay-per-view even before it started. Now, if you sat here and you invested four hours of your life, I think you actually come away, at least over the last two hours, thinking that was pretty good. How could Raw, and not as much SmackDown, but how could Raw have been as bad as it's been over the last month considering what we saw for four hours wasn't awful? And it was four hours. If memory serves correct, the last time we did one of these instant reaction pay-per-view podcasts, it was after Survivor Series, and I remember it didn't last four hours. It feels like the last couple of pay-per-views didn't go the full four hours. Tonight did. I mean, they started this bad boy at 7 o'clock. There was a pre-show, which I cannot watch. I'm sorry. I started this thing late to begin with because of the football that was going on, the Patriot game, even the Seattle uh, Seahawks-Niner game, which was great for us Jet fans. I'll give you a a quick thought about the New York sports scene, and then we'll get to the wrestling. Number one, as pissed as I was Saturday night with the bad penalties, with the lack of adjustments, can you put a second guy on J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, one non-challenge that Todd Bowles didn't make, which turned out not to cost him. As bad as the loss was for the Jets, Robbie Anderson not being able to bring a ball down on fourth down, today it felt a lot better. Because they actually moved up in the draft, not just on the Atlanta-Arizona game, which you knew, but that Niner-Seahawks game. So I actually feel better about things, A, knowing the coaching staff is all gone, and B, knowing the draft position has gotten a little bit better. With the Giants, how could you get – I know Saquon Barkley was not exactly getting it going on the ground with the, with the exception of, I think, one run, but you cannot get away from Saquon Barkley as easily – as Pat Shermer and the Giants did. And how many freaking tackles did they miss in this game? My Brooklyn Nets are red hot. Sure, they beat the Atlanta Hawks, but you know what? You got to take out the trash. And they put up a buck 40. And I am so thrilled that Kenny Atkinson has realized that not only does Kuritz deserve minutes, he's freaking starting the guy. And as far as Wilson Ramos is concerned, I wanted JT Real Muto. I think the Marlins were probably asking for way too much. I definitely prefer Ramos over Yasmani Grandal, so I thought it was a solid move by Brody Van Wagen. And Joe and I will get into all of this during our normal 10 a.m. show. Uh, when I noticed that Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles were not main eventing, I was a little bit frustrated, and I started to think, and I know I've mentioned this before, so when the hell was the last time the WWE Championship main evented a pay-per-view in which it wasn't a SmackDown-exclusive pay-per-view. So when was it the last time that a WWE title match headlined a joint pay-per-view? And the answer is, it has never happened in the Universal title era, even on pay-per-views like this, where the freaking Universal title isn't on the line. With all of that said, as good as the Brian Styles match was, they got it right. They got it right because... Asuka, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte Flair did a hell of a job. And I've said at times, it feels like they're force-feeding us the women's division. 
that while the women's division is leaps and bounds better than it's ever been, sometimes things feel forced. Uh, I am not ready for WrestleMania necessarily to have a women's championship match be the main event. I wasn't even ready for an all-women's pay-per-view. But this main event tonight was worthy of all of that. The main event tonight not only was the best match of the night, and they gave them a lot of time to make it happen, it had the predictable yet awesome conclusion because they they gave you the handwriting on the wall that Ronda Rousey was going to get involved. You could have speculated that to begin with, but then the backstage segment where Ronda says, you know, ah, payback's a bitch and I'm the baddest bitch of them all. They love using the word bitch, by the way, in a positive way. You know, they don't use it in a negative way, but in a positive way. So they they told you exactly what they're going to do. But sometimes when they tell you something and then they do it, it's still awesome. And that match was awesome. First of all, you had probably four or five legit this is awesome spots. You know, sometimes the this is awesome chant is overused. I don't think it was overused in this match. It had Becky climbing that ultra tall ladder. And then lands on Charlotte through the table. Asuka got out of the way. You had Charlotte spearing Asuka through the guardrail, which was awesome. You had Charlotte, what was that, a 180 on Becky Lynch through the table off the top turnbuckle. You say I had those, and I think those were the best ones. I'm trying to think if I forgot any other great spot from this match. You had the liberal use of the kendo stick, <laughs> in which some of those shots were very, very stiff. He just had a great match, and Charlotte was awesome in this match. I'm not a huge fan of Charlotte Flair. Uh, Monzo, who produces the Mike's On show, and I, we were texting throughout this event, and he doesn't understand why I don't like Charlotte. He's got two reasons why he really loves Charlotte. Those two reasons just don't do it for me. All right, But for Monzo, it's enough, and he, he loves those two reasons. For me, I'm not a big fan of Charlotte. I don't really love her personality, uh, but she is a good wrestler. I mean, you could not like somebody yet, admit hey they're pretty good at wrestling this may have been her best showing ever I mean, really she was in many ways the star of the match she was the star of the match for the wrestling and becky's the star of the match because she's insanely over and that's the thing about the women's division you've got one woman in particular in becky lynch and it's surprising how it's happened but it's definitely happened who may be the top star in the company and i don't mean top star in the company as far as you know, oh, it's Ronda Rousey who's got name value, so she'll be on SportsCenter. I mean, she's the person who, when they say her name, will get cheered the most. Hold on, I got to pull a Marco Rubio. I got to take a swig of water. Hold on a second. Uh, I've been battling a sickness all weekend, and it really started from Jet, uh, my son. He came home sick. That got my wife sick. That got me sick. Everybody, everybody ended up sick. So now we're at the point where everybody's sick except for Jet. He's the one who's okay. Anyhow, Becky is the most over person in this company. She's got that Austin thing going right now, even though she hasn't wrestled in a month, which also reminded me of Austin. Because remember, when Austin broke his neck at SummerSlam, they still kept him on TV because he was as over as he was. But the one thing, and maybe it's because I didn't think about it that much over the last month, because like I mentioned, Raw hasn't been good. SmackDown's been better, but even SmackDown hasn't been that good, other than Daniel Bryan promos. And, you know, this build, the Becky, Charlotte, Oscar build has been pretty good, I do admit. But I haven't given it a lot of thought as far as who's going to win and where they're going. 
But as the night was going on, I mean, it makes sense to get the belt off Becky Lynch. It really does. Because if the dream is to have Becky Ronda at WrestleMania or Becky Charlotte Ronda at WrestleMania, either the one-on-one or the triple threat, you got to have Becky chasing. You know, if Becky is Stone Cold Steve Austin, she's got to chase. And so getting the belt off her made a lot of sense. It also helped salvage Asuka. Because all I heard about from the Monzos of the world is Asuka. She's never lost. She's great in NXT. She's this, she's that. She comes in. She does a great job. They put her over. She wins the Royal Rumble. And then ever since she lost to Charlotte, she's been a mid-carder. They had the stupid gimmick with the glow girl. Um, I watch her on Total Divas, and I can't remember her name. Naomi. So she really became a mid-carder. She sort of lost all the flow from that initial run. Hey, you give her the SmackDown Championship like they did at this pay-per-view. Well, she's got her shine back because <laughs> now she's the champ. So it made sense to get the belt off Becky. Uh, Ronda Rousey's the heel, though, and I hope they understand that, and I hope Ronda's okay with that because when she comes out, and I kind of suspected this would happen based on the reaction at Survivor Series, when she comes out, and she first she's getting booed, and then she pushes over the ladder, and she's getting even booed even louder. What I think they do here is go Charlotte, uh, Charlotte, Ronda, and they could have a feud for a few months, and then eventually Becky gets it because she'll win the Rumble. I think Becky's got to win the got to win the Women's Royal Rumble, and that's how she gets her match at Mania. And maybe it is the main event. Maybe it is. I mean, we had another pay per view with the women's title match or a women's match. Being the main event, this is one of the rare times where I agreed with it. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think that it's a shame that the WWE title hasn't gotten the push that it deserves because the WWE title should be main eventing pay-per-views. It's an unfortunate thing that it isn't. But I think at least in this case, um, it just made sense. I think in past pay-per-views and past moments, it would have been good for the WWE Championship to main event. I think tonight, they got it right. Now, as far as the WWE title match is concerned and everything that's going on with Daniel Bryan, uh, he's been a great heel. It's an odd heel because he's so pro-environment and I guess so bad or so anti... What is he anti? He's pro-environment and he's anti... I don't know. It seems like he's anti-everything. The first time Daniel Bryan started bringing up the environment, it was weird. It's like they were trying to make him a bad guy for for liking the environment. It was kind of an odd thing, and it still is an odd thing, but it's working. I mean, he's getting a lot of heat. His promos are borderline insane, which I think is kind of cool. He's wrestling like a heel, but not being a complete chicken. You know, sometimes they have these guys become heels, and not only are they wrestling like a heel, but they always need help to win. And Daniel Bryan is not necessarily doing that. You know, when he beat AJ Styles to win the title initially, sure, it was dirty, but he didn't get help. You know what I mean? And I mean, like, you know, somebody else coming in and basically handing him the match. You know, I thought when Seth Rollins was a heel champion years ago, it felt that's how they were booking him. So far, I think they're booking Daniel Bryan not only as a chicken ass, but at least as a guy who can handle his own. This was a really good match with AJ. Very, very good match. I wasn't sure how they were going to end it. I was 
back and forth on if Daniel was going to beat him relatively clean or if they were going to have somebody else interfere to move feuds along or they were just going to have a schmoz of a finish. The fact it didn't end the show led me to believe there would be a schmoz. So I was kind of surprised that Daniel Bryan got the relatively clean victory, and it was a relatively clean victory. They teased another ref bump, and it went into a small package, and Daniel beat AJ. I, I get the impression that they could continue the feud if they wanted. The reason why I don't, the reason why I think this is going to be the end of Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, is Vince McMahon being on Raw tomorrow night. I'll get to that later on my theory on A, why he's there, and what he's going to do. I think the dud of the night was Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, and I think they were in a tough spot because they put that match in between the two best matches of the night, the WWE title match and the SmackDown women's title match, which obviously, as we talked about, turned out to be the main event. The Ambrose-Rollins match had this long build. Here's the problem. A, we've seen it before. We've seen it before. And B, just where it was placed, the crowd was dead. Right out of the beginning of this match, the crowd was not into it. And by the end of the match, the crowd was chanting how boring it was. So, you know, right from the get-go, you had a match that it just felt like the crowd didn't care about. And I thought what was entertaining, you may have found this awkward, and at times it was, but I still overall found it entertaining, was the interaction between Corey Graves and Renee, Renee Young, about Dean Ambrose. You know, a lot of the questions that he had were awkward, but I thought the awkwardness made it interesting. You know, the fact that Renee is obviously in real life, quote-unquote, married to Dean Ambrose. Uh, the match was very eh. It was very eh. I thought it had a nice ending. You know, Seth getting emotional. You're a piece of this. He's going for the curb stomp, whatever they're calling it now, and then Dean hits the dirty deeds and wins the Intercontinental title. I think they'll fight again at the Rumble, but if the rumors are true that Rollins may actually win the Rumble and be main eventing WrestleMania, then Dean holds on to the IC title for a while. I, the feud, it, it felt like it was a shotgun feud to begin with because they had to change direction after what happened to Roman Reigns. Maybe their next match will be better if they have a next match. I assume they will. I don't know. Considering all the emotion in it, you just figured it would be better. The Ronda Rousey-Nia Jax match was tremendous. I mean, of the, the best matches on the night, two of the three best matches were women's matches, which is a great testament to the women's division. Uh, I thought that the Rousey-Jax match overall was very entertaining. See, the, here's the problem. I keep thinking back to the Ronda Rousey-Nikki Bella match from Evolution, Revolution, whatever it was. They pushed Ronda too much. That was my biggest problem with it, that I didn't take it serious that Nikki Bella was pushing Ronda Rousey to the limit. I take it seriously with Nia Jax. You know, physically, you believe that Nia Jax is pushing her to the limit. I had no problem with Ronda being her clean. She's going to remain champion until Mania. She should remain champion until Mania. I think it's going to be tough to have a another match after this. And I don't think they will, because I think they'll pivot now to Ronda Rousey-Charlotte. The Mysterio-Randy Orton chairs match was actually better than I thought it would be. It's just, listen, it's two guys who are no longer main eventers, who are Hall of Famers. We'll all admit they're Hall of Famers. They're not Harold Baines. And they're fighting past their prime, or at least they're fighting at a point in which we don't care as much about them. It was sort of creative. They had the chairs set up in a row, and 
Ray used that victory roll to beat him. The hair, the white hair coming out of Ray's mask was freaky. And I just wonder why Ray Mysterio Jr. is back. I wonder why both of these guys are wrestling. I mean, clearly for a paycheck, it's just that it's not going anywhere good. Finn Balor, Drew McIntyre, I was just relieved they give Finn Balor a win. And they did it in a perfect way because they kept McIntyre strong. They got Dolph Ziggler involved, even though we know Dolph's going to get his ass kicked for a few months. I guess they may go triple threat because of the fact that Dolph later on attacked Finn Balor backstage. But it was a relatively good match. I'm just glad that Finn Balor got a win. The Natty Ruby Riot match was a waste of time. I felt very awkward seeing Jim Neidhart on the table. Was it the table or the ladder? Yeah, the table. And plus, this Riot squad, just break them up. I mean, you had all of them out there, and Natty still won. The Strowman Baron Corbin quote-unquote match, I guess... Here's the good thing about it. It made sense from a storyline perspective. You had all the the faces that have been screwed by Corbin, uh, Bobby Roode, Chad Gable, Apollo Crews, referee Heath Slater, Finn Balor, topped off by Kurt Angle coming back, Angle hitting him with these really awkward chair shots. Kurt Angle does everything awkward now. Has anyone noticed that? He used to be the smoothest at everything. He was great on the mic. He was great in the ring. Now everything he does is weird including these chair shots. He looked like Philip Rivers throwing a football with the chair shots. He wouldn't extend his arm. It was weird. So from a storyline perspective, I guess it made sense. But then I wonder, well, where the hell is Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre? I thought they're all buddies with Baron Corbin. You know what the problem is with the Baron Corbin GM angle? What the hell was the point of it? It feels like it wasted time in our life. It's why the ratings sucked on Raw. Because nobody gave a crap about Baron Corbin, who it felt like came from NXT five minutes ago. It's been longer than that. That this guy is the the authority figure. And I think we all agree, the authority figure job just needs to go away. Nobody cares about it anymore. The Cesaro, Sheamus title defense, whatever. And then you open the show with Facebook Live's mixed match, mixed match Challenge. Are you trying to get people to not watch the pay-per-view? Don't they always say you got to start a pay-per-view hot? Who gives a turd about R-Truth and Carmella and their stupid dance-offs? I can't even believe R-Truth is still in the WWE. And I can't believe Alicia Fox is still in the WWE. And I can't believe that Jinder Mahal at one point was a WWE champion. And I can't believe anybody goes on Facebook Watch to watch this. So their angle was you could watch this on Facebook and then they're sucking you in to watch the rest of the pay-per-view. Do they think anybody would watch that match? A mixed match, a mixed mixed tag match between four people nobody gives a crap about and then say, oh, gee, we have to watch the pay-per-view. And you talk about wasting spot 30 in the Rumble. Actually, you know what? Let me rephrase that. Winning spot 30 in the Rumble is a waste of time. No one ever wins from 30 unless you're the surprise entrant coming back from injury in the Rumble. So to give it to R-Truth and give it to Carmella, who have no shot at all of winning the Royal Rumble, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they actually got that right. Let me get to Vince McMahon. So as I mentioned at the top of this, Raw has sucked. I think we all realize that. Raw has been very unwatchable. Raw has not been entertaining. And the ratings have taken a hit. So the WWE, whenever they get desperate, says, hey, Vince McMahon, what are you doing? Can you save the show? 
Vince McMahon on WWE programming has not been interesting in 15 years. Those are the facts. He was not interesting when he came back to try to get Roman Reigns over a couple of years ago. He's not going to be interesting on Monday Night Raw. And it's sad that they think that's really going to get people excited. I mean, you know, maybe you tune into the start of the show just to see what the old man looks like, even though you probably saw him recently, or to see what stupid thing they're going to do. My theory is that they're going to do a super a superstar shakeup, that they are going to shake up the rosters a little bit. They usually do that after WrestleMania. I could see them doing it right now because Roman Reigns not being around, as much as we all got on Roman Reigns and thought they pushed him too much, which I still think they did, they miss Roman Reigns. And a part of why they miss Roman Reigns is because they did push him too much. They made him so the guy that everyone else on Raw wasn't getting nearly the amount of push that Roman was getting so that with Roman gone, there's an empty space on Raw right now. You know, Braun Strowman was getting there, and Braun is their number one guy at this point. You want to argue Seth Rollins, I guess you can, but it's probably Strowman. He is going to main event with Lesnar at the Rumble. But they kind of ruined him a little bit when they set up the feud between him and Roman Reigns. So they are missing a piece. And because it's three hours and SmackDown is two hours, and for now, SmackDown is not on Fox. When SmackDown is on Fox, things will be different. They still have a year. My theory is that AJ Styles ends up on Raw Monday night. That's my theory. I haven't read anything about this. If, if it's out there, then I got lucky guessing. I'd be the first one to tell you if I read it somewhere. I just think it makes a lot of sense. I think AJ Styles has done it all on SmackDown. He's already lost the championship. I think that continuing the Daniel Bryan feud, while it would be entertaining, it probably doesn't go anywhere well for AJ because he's not going to win. So I think not only does it spark Raw a little bit by putting styles in new feuds and in new angles, but I think he's kind of done it all on SmackDown. Monzo texted me that Samoa Joe is another candidate for that, and it makes sense, but Samoa Joe was on Raw not that long ago. So, you know, bringing him back to Raw doesn't seem as original as bringing AJ Styles in. So that's what I think they do with Vince. I mean, I guess they're going to have a new authority figure, which, like I said, the authority figure thing is old. You know, it worked great with Vince McMahon versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. It worked great with Eric Bischoff, I guess, even when he came to WWE, but certainly in WCW in 2019, 2018. It's just, eh, eh, there's just, there's nothing there. Now, I guess you have to have somebody, you know, Paige uh, is the authority figure on SmackDown, and she's not really that heavily involved in the angle. She just comes out, announces things. You know, I guess you can go along those lines. You could bring Kurt Angle back, even though Kurt Angle, like I mentioned, is bad at everything these days, which is depressing. Now I know what old Willie Mays fans felt like when Willie would fall down in center field to Chase Stadium. I love Kurt Angle. I think Kurt Angle in his prime was the greatest wrestler I've ever seen. I'd put him up against Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, uh, anybody. I thought Kurt and Shawn at WrestleMania was one of the great matches of all time. I'm a big Kurt Angle fan. Boy, oh boy, he's a shell of his former self in every aspect. I know he's old. He's had a lot of injuries. I'm not attacking him. I'm just stating the truth. He's Willie Mays falling down in center field at Chase Stadium. That's what he is right now. 
You know what Raw needs to do to improve its programming and improve its ratings? Just write better scripts. It's not that complicated. Just write better stuff. Having Baron Corbin be the the, the man, you know, having McIntyre and Bobby Lashley running rampant over Raw, it sucked. It wasn't that good. You know what else would also help Monday Night Raw? Having their world champion, in this case the universal champion, be on the show. I don't know, and I got to give it a few weeks to kind of see where they go here on Raw and how they write things out. I don't know what their plan is for the Universal title, but having the championship away from the show, I felt like I said this all for the last year until Roman finally took it from him, but it's the same thing. It's just bad. It's not good. So if Vince really wants to be interesting tomorrow night or Monday night or tonight or yesterday, whenever you're listening to this thing, what he needs to do He should probably come out, open the show, and say, Brock Lesnar, either you walk out here or you're fired. And then Lesnar comes out and do something with Brock and do something with the Universal Championship. And by the way, last year at the Royal Rumble, do you remember what the Universal title match was? I forgot for a second. I looked it up during the pay-per-view. It was Brock, Kane, and Strowman. I mean, Brock and Strowman have fought many times now. So, Strowman's due. It's like Joe would say with a guy in a batting slam. You know, Strowman's due, bro. He is. I'm not ready to tell you what I think they're going to do because I don't think they know what they're going to do. But, geez, you want to improve the ratings on Raw? Put the freaking Universal title on the damn show. That's for sure. But overall, I don't think this was a bad pay-per-view. I think it got off to a terrible start. I think it had no build. I think the first two hours were bad. But I would say starting with Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax, that was match number seven. Continuing with Brian and Styles, really good WWE title match. Not as much with Ambrose and Rollins, but certainly capped off by the triple threat women's match. I thought overall it was a pretty entertaining pay-per-view. I'm trying to think if I have any other thoughts from this thing. Um, oh, yeah. What time did George Kittle and Earl Mitchell get to the game? Because, I like I mentioned, I started the pay-per-view about a half hour late, and then what I would do is I'd catch up a little bit. I, I'd jump 10 seconds every every here and there. You know, they have commercials now, and eventually I caught up. But I was watching the end of that game. So did they show up, you know, with an hour to go in the event? When the hell did they get there? But either way, that's it. That was TLC. Our next pay-per-view will be the Royal Rumble. We will do a Royal Rumble preview podcast. I'll probably get a couple of wrestling guys on, probably Monzo and maybe somebody else to give our previews and predictions of the Rumble. The Royal Rumble is not only my favorite pay-per-view of the year, I think it's everybody's favorite pay-per-view of the year. It's America's favorite pay-per-view of the year. Also coming up this week, there'll be some more Brooklyn Net podcasts. I know you love that. Because God forbid I talk more I, I talk more than a minute about the Nets on the air. I got to save it for the podcast. And any other instant reactions that may come up. But for this edition, thank you for listening to the WWE TLC Instant Reaction Edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. Goodbye, everybody.